Okay, Acts chapter 16, and I'd like to read from verses 1 down through uh, verse uh, 10 and 11. And uh, I'd like to preach on a topic, and the title this morning is Finding Your Macedonia. Finding Your Macedonia. Then came he to Derby. I'm in verse 1, Acts chapter 16, in Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And passing, and they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, help us today. And Lord, I know that your people are here today. They are needing something from the Word of God. They need something uh, that will help them get through this week. And I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit get into the service today. Uh, cleanse me, forgive me of my sins, hide me behind the cross this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. I've read a portion of scripture here about the Apostle Paul, and he begins his second missionary journey. Now, if we was to have backed up to chapter 15, chapter 15 is that great chapter on legalism in the Word of God. And of course, legalism is not somebody who has one more conviction than you have, but <laughs> biblical legalism is somebody who thinks you've got to do some work or sacrament before you can get saved. If you was to look at Acts chapter 15 about verse 1, verse to verse 3, you would see that these Judaizers had been teaching that except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. That is the definition of legalism. And of course they got that straightened out. Paul the apostle was there on his furlough. Uh, he had been on the first missionary journey and of course they had them come back to Jerusalem to the home church there and they began to discuss this thing and they got it ironed out. You see that, uh, uh, that, that Peter and James there, and John, uh, James being that uh, uh, the senior pastor there, he makes a decree and says, look, it's clear that God is saving the Gentiles without them having to become Jews. I mean, salvation is by grace 
through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. And that's what the Bible's talking about when he says not works. You cannot work your way into heaven. What he means by that is becoming a Jew or becoming a church member or taking sacraments will not save you. You're saved by grace through faith. And not faith in yourself, faith in the finished work of Christ and what He did for us on that cross. But then we get down to the end of this chapter, and you have Paul and Barnabas, they get into a spat there, and they have a disagreement over John Mark. Uh, John Mark had went with them part of the way in their first missionary journey. I guess it got too hard, something come up, and he bailed out on them and went back. Paul took it personal. And so Barnabas wanted to take John Mark on their second missionary journey. Remember, Barnabas was the man who took the Apostle Paul under his wings, kind of discipled him, and got him familiar with the church, and they become a great team together. I've preached a message years ago on be a Barnabas. But they had a falling out over John Mark. And so Paul... He takes Silas, and he partners up with Silas, and Barnabas takes John Mark. And some things I'd like to point out this morning by way of introduction is when they did have this falling out, number one, they did not, or it did not, end their ministries. You see that this was not the end of the Apostle Paul because he got mad at Barnabas. And we've seen this was not the end of Barnabas when he got mad at the Apostle Paul. Uh, They did not end their ministries. Now, that contention was pretty sharp between them. And they couldn't work together no more at this time. And so they parted ways. But it did not end their ministries. Number two, it did not become or they did not become enemies. They did not become enemies after that. Because later, they get back together and he says, Hey, by the way, bring John Mark for he is profitable for the ministry. So apparently, Barnabas was right. It looks that way. But uh, uh, they did not become lifelong enemies just because they couldn't work together. It did not hinder each other's ministries. I mean, they didn't begin to uh, throw stones at each other. And, you know, uh, Paul didn't have a book written where he downs Barnabas, you know, and all the bad things Barnabas ever did. Barnabas did not do the same to the Apostle Paul. I dare say, I think it was Wednesday night, we were covering how to take care of problems uh, in the church. And when someone offends somebody, uh, you take it care of it personally first. You go to that individual and take care of it one-on-one. You don't blab it, and, and so on and so forth. Matthew chapter 18. But then I seen that it did not make them bitter for ministry. Now that's a, that's a big one. Because uh, sometimes when people get hurt uh, in ministry, all of a sudden they become bitter, you know, and they never make themselves vulnerable again. They, they never want to reach out and help people because they're bitter because one time, long time ago, so long ago, they can't remember it. Somebody did them wrong. Well, guess what? Hang on, I'm sure somebody's disappointed you at some point in your life, but it's no excuse to quit on God.
And so Paul, he just takes Silas. And they take off and they get down here and they see this young man, Timothy. That's the same Timothy that we find in First and Second Timothy. Uh, he's a young man. He was a timid man, but he was saved uh, nonetheless. And he ended up pastoring, if my memory serves me correct, there in Ephesus. And Paul had wrote a couple of books to him to encourage him and to help him and to edify him. But the Apostle Paul takes Timothy and they take off on this second missionary journey. Journey. And I see here in verse 9, all of a sudden a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia. My first point this morning, and I want you to think about this. This is the question that goes with the message. What's stopping you from coming over and helping us? Because that's what's in the text. And I'm likening this Macedonia to the mission field. Now, most missionaries will preach out of this passage. And it's a call. And you, you might even hear this message or this... <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I wanted to hear a message. <laughs> I had seen it and I was going through messages this week. And I, I, I wanted to listen to it. Brother Don Sisk preached a message along this lines, And when I went to look for it, I couldn't find it. But he was a missionary. He was a missionary, a veteran missionary in Japan. And so this is a great missions chapter, portion of Scripture, to soften people's heart for missions. But now I'm using it this morning because not all of us are called to the mission field. We're not. And, uh, but your Macedonia, that's my question. Where is your Macedonia? And then the second question is, what is stopping you from going to Macedonia? What's stopping you? So Macedonia is the mission field. It is ministry. And I'll get to that. I'll develop that here in a minute. Because I see three mission fields here in this portion of Scripture. And I will show them to you because you're in one of the three. We're not all going to be missionaries on a foreign mission field. But this passage still has application to each and every one of us. The Macedonia call is still ringing today, according to verse 9. You say, how do you know that? Because we're still here. We're still here. If God had nothing more for us to do, He'd have done raptured us out of here. We'd be gone. But there are still souls to be saved. There's still people that are praying that somebody come and tell them this gospel story. I got a phone call this week from a doctor up here in Morristown, Hamlin. And he said, Preacher, he's actually my next door neighbor. He says, uh, there's a man here dying, and there's nobody to come and pray with him. There is nobody at all. Will you come and pray with this man? I said, yes, I will. I will answer that call. This week, my Macedonia was making hospital visits with people I had never met or never seen just to pray with them while they're there on a deathbed. That could be your Macedonia. I believe that my Macedonia in life is here at Tree of Life Baptist Church. 
uh, God had uh, uh, given us and called us. And I knew that I was headed south. I didn't know exactly where. But God seen fit to place us here. And today, this is my Macedonia. And so I want you to look at this passage like that. Where is your Macedonia? And what is stopping you from coming over and helping us? The Macedonian call is still ringing today. The fields, according to the Word of God, are still white unto harvest. It's not supper time, it's working time. I must have been hungry when I was putting this together. <laughs> it's not lunchtime. I can hear my pappy in my ear as we work together in the field. And when I say the field, I mean in construction, not in a cornfield. I mean in construction in Cincinnati. Todd, it's not lunchtime yet. It's working time. It's get over here. It's work time. Come on, boys. Let's get over here. We used to make fun of Dad. And and tell people, Dad, he's 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 got a he's got a, a a dip in his back, you know, like an older horse does. It's because he's got a saddle that has that's made for two. My brother and I. <laughs> <laughs> and he used to carry us on the job site every day. Come on, boys, it's working time. It's not lunchtime. And as you see, I'm always first in line for lunchtime. I was, uh, I found out why, well, I won't go there. I won't go there. Let me say it like this. You ever, ever find that your body never really hurts too bad when you're walking towards a buffet? <laughs> I've learned that about myself this week. I might have aches and pains, but buddy, somebody says the word buffet, and all pain is gone. My point is, the Macedonian call is still ringing today. It's not supper time. It's working time. And point number two, the Holy Spirit, He's still sending people. God is still working on hearts. And maybe God's working on your heart. Maybe God has worked on your heart and you've not known how to respond to it. You don't know. Maybe you're making it up. Why you feel the way you feel. The Holy Spirit is still sending people to the mission field and He's still directing and constraining people. Look with me in verse 6. The Apostle Paul took off in a certain direction. He had planned to go a certain way. He says, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That'll be Asia Minor. You say, now why you bring that up? Because sometimes... What you think that God wants you to do, once you get rolling and get doing it, the Holy Spirit changes your mind or changes your direction or closes that door. And Paul, he just wanted to serve God. Paul wanted to go back out on that second missionary journey and he took off the direction he thought God wanted him to go and the Holy Spirit began to hold him up and said, I don't want you going there. And then I don't want you going over here. And then he gives him the vision of this man praying in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And here's my point. Don't be discouraged if God shuts 
a door. You might start one way and take that step of faith and endeavor, which is to take action, and God will send you another way. If you're just going to sit on a bucket waiting on God to give you a command, it doesn't happen that way. You're going to have to be on the move. You're going to have to endeavor. That means put some action into what you think God wants you to do and move that way because whatsoever is not of faith is sin and God blesses faith. My point is, the direction you take off in might not be the direction you end up at. Don't let that discourage you. God might send you another way, and there's no shame if God changes what you thought He wanted you to do. That's happened in these ten years with me. And I know some, some of the folks, they kind of got a little upset about that. And let me tell you something. One of the ways to find the will of God is to step off in the direction you think God would have you go, and then He'll either forbid you, or he'll open the door. And I've told most of you men uh, on that last little step of faith we took, boys, I've been, <laughs> I've felt like I've done something bad all week. I don't think God wants us to do this. You say, yeah, why do we got those mixed signals? Because we wanted to endeavor. We want to take that step. It might be wrong, but God will reveal it to us. And God did. I believe he did. Unless I'm just a big chicken. Possibility. That's why I have the men help me bear certain burdens. Because <laughs> surely not all of us are chickens. <laughs> but we do want to do the will of God. And my point to this is, don't be ashamed if you take off in one direction and say, Yeah, God's got me. I, pastors deal with that. Sometimes pastors will get in and pastor a church and then all of a sudden God shuts that door and they go into evangelism. And I've had conversation with a number of preachers that said, I feel a little embarrassed by that. And I said, don't, because the Bible says that a pastor is to do the work of an evangelist. And sometimes you'll stop and you'll pastor and sometimes you might move on and evangelize. It's okay. Just keep serving God. Sometimes we worry too much about what people think. I believe it's because we put too much emphasis on our pride and not enough on the Holy Spirit's leading. I mean, after all, sometimes God just doesn't reveal everything to us. Sometimes God doesn't let me discern certain situations. And that's up to God to do. And it happens in your life too. God doesn't have to check in with us before He makes a move, right? I mean, God don't answer to us. We answer to God. Sometimes we let pride get in the way. We get to worrying about, well, what if this don't work out? What if I'm wrong about what God wants me to do? <laughs> well, if you're worried about criticism, let me give you three quick points on how to never be criticized. If you're taking notes. Number one, do nothing. Number two, say nothing. And number three, be nothing. I promise you, you will never get criticized. You, nobody will ever criticize you 
if you don't do nothing, say nothing, or be nothing. Well, let me give you this. Remember, any fool can criticize, complain, and condemn, and most fools do. Remember that. When you're searching for your Macedonia, now my third point as we hurry along. Will you answer the call today? You can look around here. Sometimes visitors come in. They look around. We're, we're growing. We're, we're, we're beginning to grow again. I think God is done with the pruning. And we're growing. And that means we're going to need new teachers. We're need new people for ministry. And to do things around here. I'm getting older, not younger. As I worked my way around this church, by the way, I, I found some light bulbs, men. <laughs> They were in my office the whole time, and I put some new light bulbs out there. I tried to pull some weeds, and I did some mowing. But as I get older, either I'm getting lazier, or I just don't want to do that no more. <laughs> and so there'll be opportunity for other people to step in and say, I'd like to do that. That's my Macedonia. It's available. It's available. Will you answer that call today? Now let me give you some pointers. Number one, have you heard the call? Before you can hear the call, if you look back in verse 8, the Apostle Paul was spending time alone with God in prayer. If you're not spending no time in prayer, you're not going to hear the call. I believe that's why a lot of people don't want to pray and read their Bible. They're scared. It's not that they're scared of the blessings of God. They're scared to death that God is going to ring them. Say, hey, it's time for you to step in. And that's going to disrupt their world. Will you answer the call today? You're in one of these three missions. I see three mission fields here. Verse 1, verse 2, I see personal missions. Paul takes Timothy. The, the Bible says that Timothy was a disciple at this point, meaning that Paul was a mentor. That's a mission field. You ever try to teach? Teaching people will wear you out. It just does. It'll, it, it'll wear you out if you're good at it. It'll wear you out. So there's a mission field. But did you see this other mission field? Verse 4. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. That's home missions. Now, I, I originally wanted to preach this message on a cry to support the local church. And, and, and what I'm seeing going on in the, what do we say, the religious world today is everybody wants the big thing. So you got the big singers and you've got the big, the big, the big boys that go and do the big things. But what I'm seeing is the home mission. The local New Testament churches are being abandoned. The smaller churches, and they're being squeezed out 
by the bigger mega churches. And by the way, I'm against mega churches. Now, I, I say that, don't take that as like, oh, you hate all big churches? No, because somebody's going to tell you, yeah, any preacher has a small church would hate a big church, just like a big, big pastor in a big church would hate the small church. I don't mean it like that. What I find in the Word of God, the church there in Jerusalem got up to about 50,000 folks. And they were not doing what God had told them to do, which was to go start in Jerusalem, go into Samaria, and then the other parts of the world. And so God sent persecution. So anytime I see a big mass of people together trying to do something, in my mind, it's called a destination church. And what's going on today as we're building these big destination churches, we want bigger buildings, we want bigger properties, we want campuses. And here's the problem we're having with that. When that pastor and the charisma of that pastor falls off the scene, the thing goes into the hole. And we've put all those millions and millions of dollars in the big things and the small little churches are struggling. I've had so many people tell me, preacher, I'd come to your church. I love listening to the preaching and the teaching down there and what you guys are doing. But I don't want to go there because I know I'll have to go to work. I'm not making that up. The only reason they're in the big church is so they can hide. So they don't have to do nothing. There's a mission field right here to help establish small churches and to see that they go back on the increase. So maybe your Macedonian call is to find a local church or maybe you feel that God is moving you or has sent you a new area to help out. And God is saying, this is your Macedonia. Macedonia doesn't have to be Japan. Macedonia doesn't have to be Ukraine. Macedonia does not have to be Africa or Uganda. And by the way, they're calling for missionaries in Uganda. And they need more missionaries in the Ukraine. But that's not my Macedonia. And it might not be your Macedonia. But let me help you prepare to find your Macedonia. Number one, you need to be a disciple. Timothy was a disciple. Timothy ended up in Ephesus. But he was on this missionary journey first. So be a disciple. Nobody wants to be discipled today. Nobody wants to be trained. Nobody wants to sit down with a mentor. Paul was a mentor. And he was discipling Timothy. He was a teacher. And then he told Timothy there in, what was it, 2 Timothy? He says, the same things that you've seen me do, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So that's what's going on here. Let me get it so I don't. Thou therefore my son. Okay. Paul's being the mentor. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ and the things that thou hast heard of me. Among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. He wanted Timothy, who was a disciple this time, to step up into the role of being a mentor and to teach other people so that they could be involved in ministry. Be a builder, verse 5. 
I almost put in there, just bloom where you're planted. Be a builder. Verse 5. And so where the church is established in the faith and increased in number daily. They weren't quite on their missionary journey yet, but they were blooming where they were planted and they were building the churches that they were visiting. Uh, let me put this in here. You'll never be successful in foreign missions unless you are first successful in your home mission. If you won't do anything around God's house here, you will not do anything in God's house or for God's house over there. That is biblical. And I have experienced that in people. I know it to be true. So be a builder wherever you're at. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Be a mover, verse 6. Now when they had gone throughout, that goes with the word endeavor. Put some action to what you think God wants you to do. Be a mover. <laughs> Again, I remember the words of my pappy. <laughs> it's his birthday today. Happy birthday to my dad. And I didn't call him. I kind of got sidetracked with breakfast and, <laughs> and forgot about calling him and reaching out. But it's his birthday. My dad is a mover. My dad's always on the move. And he can't stand someone who doesn't move fast. I'm more laid back and happy-go-lucky and sweet like my mother <laughs> Y'all laughing like that might some of that might not be so true. Well, my mom is laid back and she is happy go lucky. Sweet. Well, <laughs> depends on what you call sweet. <laughs> she don't suffer fools long. I know that. But my father was a mover. He still is a mover. That's what I'm saying. Endeavor. Put some action. Behind what you think God is wanting you to do. Be a mover. Don't be a sitter. Don't be sitting on the bucket on the job site waiting on somebody to give you a command. Take some initiative. Step up. Learn to anticipate and look to know and see what needs to be done. And see the need and take the lead. Be a doer. A doer. A doer. <laughs> I wanted to put do and endeavor all together. It's time to wind this thing down. In conclusions, big things can only be accomplished when the little things get done. You remember that. They didn't start out in Macedonia. And they didn't get to Macedonia until the little things got done. Like the discipling, like the mentoring, like the church building and building the church and helping edify the body of Christ. So big things can only be accomplished when the little things get done. And my last question is what's stopping you from coming over and helping us? I've prayed for these 10 years 
that God would bless our church and grow our church. But I know what that means. It's going to take laborers, workers, people that are willing to move, people that are willing to answer the Macedonian call to say, I think that's my Macedonia. At least I'm going to walk off into that direction and see if the Holy Spirit either constrains me or opens the door or makes the vision clear. Because the Bible says without vision, the people perish. Let's all stand.